On this Saturday morning, time once again for a wine chat with our friend from Haskell's, Jack Farrell. Good morning, Jack. Hi, Denny. How are you today? Well, you know, I, I have to say I can't complain about the weather. I realize that that people in the snow business are complaining, but uh, but this is uh, this is quite nice, actually. A nice, mild winter for a change. What could yeah, be better? Absolutely. Indeed. Today, I thought, you know, Haskell's is been in business for 90 years, and I thought I'd touch a little bit on not only Haskell's history, but Prohibition, which I find very fascinating. Uh, you know, Prohibition forces have been around since since they invented wine, so it, it wasn't a new thing, but the experiment in the United States was a massive thing because it involved the entire country. It was incorporated into the Constitution. Uh, and, you know, it had been tried previously and didn't work. The politicians didn't really look at it. Maine, in 1846, banned all liquor. And it lasted about four years in Maine. Everyone ignored the rules. Uh, Kansas was the first state to ban Liquor banded in 1888 or something like that, and that didn't work either. So, you know, it's been a, a remarkable thing that the bill itself was introduced by Andrew Volstead, who happened to be from Minnesota, thus the name the Volstead Act. And incidentally, it's interesting to note, when that was enacted in uh, 1920, uh, Roosevelt, or I'm sorry, Wilson, Woodrow Wilson vetoed it. And he thought it could never be enforced. And, of course, it wasn't. Uh, you know, it was so interesting to me when I started out in the spirits business, talking to people uh, around the Twin Cities, for example, such as Sid Hartman. Sid Hartman used to get uh, paid uh, nickels and dimes from the printers at the uh, uh, papers. And he would run over to the Radisson Hotel the printers at the uh, uh, papers, and he would run over to the Radisson Hotel where Benny Haskell had the entire seventh floor for his prohibition operation, uh, and he would turn in the nickels and dimes and get half pints and uh, such for the printers that were working, and they'd give him some pennies for doing that job for him. And Fritzy Haskell was known to go around Loring Park pushing a pram, that's a, a baby buggy, uh, with a couple bottles of a couple cases of scotch in the back end to drop off to different people. In fact, one of the persons whose uh, son told me about his dad doing it, they would go to, they lived in Kenwood and were fairly affluent. The chauffeur would take the father and the uncle and the two kids down to Loring Park, and the kids would be sent down to feed the ducks with a bag of bread crust, and the two, the uncles and the father, would sit in the back of the car and have a bottle of scotch and then go home uh, for Sunday dinner. But it, it was, you know, an unusual experiment, as I say. It, it didn't really work very well. Uh, you know, so many ethnic groups you know, like Germans identify with beer. Look at, you don't have to look very far. The German names, Budweiser, Pabst, Platt, are all German names because beer is such a big part of their culture. Uh, and, of course, it didn't come about prohibition strictly because of the Dries. In fact, there was a party called the Dries. 
and drives were people who were in favor of prohibition. Uh, Actually, if it wasn't for the WTCU, Women's Christian Temperance Union, who involved all of the women because they tied the two together, the right for women's uh, vote and uh, uh, prohibition were tied together. It was a very unusual marriage of uh, women suffragettes and women Christian Temperance Union, as well as all the drives in virtually every church denomination, had a, a branch that was dry, and they would march in parades and everything else. And this is a funny thing. It was not illegal to drink during Prohibition. It was just illegal to manufacture uh, the products. And there were some s- smart people who uh, stashed stuff in advance. But it, it, Prohibition lasted 13 years. It wasn't just a brief period. That's a long time. But it was winked at. You know, it was interesting that in New York City alone, just think of this, New York City, there were 30,000 speakeasies in the city only. We're not talking about the state of New York here. The city, 30,000 of them. You can't tell me that uh, all the officers in that didn't know about all those places. They, many people looked uh, like Winston Churchill, who was known to comment that he thought prohibition in the United States was a terrible affront to the entire history of mankind. And that's a pretty sweeping statement. But anyhow, a lot of states simply didn't enforce the regulations. Uh, Maryland uh, was known to be wide open, the entire state of Maryland uh, nobody enforced any of those regulations. And look what happened uh, because of it. You know, there's a rise of organized crime, etc. And all the, the people thought that, uh, that were in favor of drives that liquor was ruining the American family. And, uh, you know, it, it was one of many things. Undoubtedly, it was a problem. But, of course, attacking it that way was not the way to do it. You know, you could go to Walgreens or any gross a drug store and get alcohol. That wasn't a problem at all. In fact, many doctors prescribed it, and a lot of druggists would add things to the alcohol to make it taste a little better. Uh, my mother worked for a family years ago, and uh, one of her jobs was to go to the drugstore and get grandma's medicine. And grandma's medicine was a quart of whiskey that she drank every two a week of or something like that. I can remember my mother telling me about that. But uh, anyhow, it put a lot of people in the spirits business out of business. It certainly almost dealt a death blow to the wine industry, fortunately, a few churches and things like that kept a few wineries going during Prohibition. But uh, it was the winemakers, the distillers, the brewers, etc., all were put out of business because it was rendered totally illegal. And it also killed a great tax base for the United States because at the time when they enacted 1920, when they enacted Prohibition, the largest source of revenue for the federal government was liquor taxes. <laughs> and that changed a great deal when uh, Prohibition was enacted. 
the tax base they begin to seek other revenues or other venues for uh, tax revenue and you know what did they leave they left even when they repealed it they left it up to each state to be their own regulatory agency as far as spirits went wine and spirits and beer uh, the states could regulate. As a matter of fact, in Minnesota, we are one of the few states, well, we're the only state in the entire United States where a municipality can hold the liquor license. Our uh, city-owned stores like Edina, Lakeville, etc., that doesn't exist anywhere else in the United States, but it does here in Minnesota. And, and the community can vote to go dry. That exists in all across the United States. And, you know, I'm sure there's lots of people listening to me who can remember going to Utah and places like that where you couldn't get a drink. In fact, I grew up in a suburb of Chicago uh, called Oak Park that you couldn't get a drink. The, the restaurants, etc., couldn't serve drinks in them, you know, hard drinks, wine, spirits, beer, that type of thing. And today there are many dry counties around the United States. It depends on where it is and where its regulations are. And what they have done, unfortunately, and this involves almost every state in the Union, is it looks like, as far as the liquor regulations go, and believe me, they have plenty of them, because uh, the prohibition was very strict about how they adapted different things, and there's very few liquor states in the United States today where I would call liquor a wide-open arrangement. It's uh, patrolled something fierce. For example, in the entire state of New York, you can only have one liquor license. Uh, So uh, in Minnesota, you can only have one liquor license per municipality. Uh, And uh, recently, Colorado just enacted a thing where you could have more than one, but they only had one store per person uh, and one per per individual in the whole state of Colorado. So we're still a patchwork of these funny regulations for all the states of the United States. It always is interesting when I travel around the world uh, buying wine, etc., and the people say, well, we'll just ship it into the United States. Well, you know, no, because I ship into New York or I ship into California or I ship into Florida. It's just the same. I said, no, Minnesota's totally different. And they find that out and they find it hard to believe that there are like 50 sets of regulations uh, for bringing stuff into the United States because there are 50 states and every single one of them is different. And that is the gift we have from the repeal of Prohibition in 1933, and that's, of course, uh, when we got started in 34, because uh, they didn't re- repeal it immediately, uh, that's 90 years ago. So we have a long history of dealing with wine and spirits and beer, and uh, I find, I hope you don't mind this morning me sharing all this with you, because I find it very, very interesting. In fact, it's kind of funny. There was a woman called Carrie Nation who was known for charging into bars with a hatchet. This is before repeal, and uh, or, or before prohibition. And she would take the axe and chop up the bar. She was put in jail in 30 different states for her activities, 
but she continued to be anyway. And I remember back in 1975, they came out with a whiskey that was an axe handle called Carry Nation. It didn't really do very well, but I thought it was kind of funny uh, that that would go on. And while we're enjoying balmy weather, I also thought it wouldn't be a bad idea to think about some wonderful hot drinks. Uh, now that we've gotten that prohibition out of the way, we can talk a little about my wife makes it about a version of Irish coffee where she takes five ounces of coffee, one ounce of Irish whiskey, and one ounce of Louisa's liqueur. Louisa's liqueur is chocolate, uh, caramel, and it is a wonderful, wonderful uh, liqueur. Then you take, mix that, five ounces of coffee, one ounce of Irish whiskey, one ounce of Louisa liqueur, and then you take a scoop of whipped cream, but you uh, spike the whipped cream with a table or teaspoon of Louisa's whipped cream, about a teaspoon to half a cup of whipped cream. And what a difference that uh, Louisa and the whipped cream make. It's absolutely delicious. Another one based on the same thing that we do is uh, have a hot chocolate, mint hot chocolate, where you take six ounces of cocoa, hot chocolate, one ounce of creme de menthe, and a scoop of, again, whipped cream with a teaspoon of creme de menthe in it. And it's like a minty chocolate chip cookie. It's absolutely delicious. And, of course, there's many things like that. You know, Irish whiskey is so popular. And for many, many years, people thought Irish whiskey was invented in San Francisco uh, because it's very popular there. Well, it wasn't really. It was invented at the airport in Ireland, at Shannon Airport, uh, years ago when planes didn't have the capacity uh, or the ability to go clear across the Atlantic in one try, everybody would stop in Shannon Airport. In fact, to this day, all the Irish airlines coming from out of Ireland have to go into Shannon Airport. But they they had a heavy fog, and they were all trapped there. And the bartender thought they had all these 80 people or 70 people from the airplane. He would come up with some Irish coffee. He had Irish coffee, uh, whiskey, and a, a, a little bit of sugar. So he put in an uh, ounce of Irish whiskey to maybe four ounces of coffee, and then take a, maybe a couple cubes of sugar, put them in there, and a dollop of whipped cream on the top, and it became very, very popular. So it wasn't invented at the Buena Vista restaurant in San Francisco, but it was indeed invented at Shannon Airport in Ireland so long ago. But it's a great drink, uh, as is hot buttered rum, which is so easy to do. Two ounces of rum, a couple of tablespoons of butter, and some brown sugar, and then some hot water. Mix it together. It's terrific. Incidentally, you can substitute <coughs> honey for that hot water, and it turns out really well. But any of these uh, hot drinks are just very, very fun. Uh, with the Super Bowl coming up next week, uh, maybe have a hot apple cider to greet your guest if you're having people in to watch it. It's just simple to do, just apple cider and rum. And it's even better if you use a spiced rum. And uh, so that hot apple cider really is a nice welcoming touch. And then you have, can watch the game, etc. But I think you find we have on our website hundreds of different 
hot drinks, whether it's a hot toddy or a hot buttered rum or even glug. There's lots and lots of wonderful recipes for glug. Anybody who's been to the Christmas marts in Europe knows how much glug is adored and sought after at those Christmas marks all over Europe, and you can have that right at home. That sounds fantastic. Of course, any questions, you can always ask the good folks at Haskell's. They'd be glad to help you out. Indeed, Denny, you're 100% right. After 90 years, we've gotten pretty good at answering questions, and we're very, very good at pairing wines with different foods. That's why they call us the wine people. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine. There's a Haskell's in Bloomington. There's one in Excelsior in Faribault right off at 35. Our super cellar in Maple Grove is not to be missed. 22,000 square feet of wines from around the world. In downtown Minneapolis, we have free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's the Haskells in Plymouth, St. Paul's Island Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come in, go to Haskells.com. Again, you can pick up those hot toddy recipes there. And don't forget, at Haskells, we do deliver, and incidentally, this is also... Uh, the very end for the dry January 6 for 60 that Ted has picked out. Six bottles of wine for $60. Wonderful way to exit dry January. Try that. Six bottles of wine for $60. Wonderful way to exit dry January. Try that. Excellent idea. Jack, let's do this again next week. You know, Denny, I'm going to look forward to that. That's Jack Farrell from Haskell's.